Hello and welcome to Counterthought, a podcast dedicated to my counterthoughts about mainstream media, politics, and culture, and the impact on our nation. I am your host, Brian Fletter. You can follow this podcast on its Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast, on Instagram at counter underscore thought, and on Twitter at counter underscore podcast. Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of Counterthought, Biden's Disaster the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. Have y'all seen what's been going on for the last week? Going back to the previous week, starting on August 9th? Yeah, August 9th. This has been the worst week, and now coming into a week and a half for the Biden administration, in my opinion. So if you haven't been paying attention to the news, the United States and this goes back to well over a year now, going back to the Trump administration, but it's become more and more supported around the United States from just, you know, everyday Americans for our troops to come home from Afghanistan, to fully come home, not leave a small couple thousand there, you know, to kind of keep the peace, but to bring everyone home. Well, The Biden administration put that plan in action, but it really came to a head starting last week. So last week, which was August 9th, started August 9th, that Monday, the Biden administration really started to withdraw the final troops that were in Afghanistan. There were about 2,500 troops there, 3,000 troops, and they were like a counterterrorism group. So the troops that were there at the time those 2,500 to 3,000, they were like counterterrorism. They were getting intel on the ground, and then also we had air support through the Bagram Air Base, as well as those stationed elsewhere at different bases, maybe around the the, uh, world or within the United States to provide, to fly the drones to provide additional air support. So it was like a keep the peace measure. Don't bring everyone home to where there are no troops in Afghanistan, but leave 2,500 to 3,000 in Afghanistan as like a counterterrorism group. That's how it was when Trump left office and the Biden administration began. But did you pay attention to what happened as the week went on last week? So Monday, August 9th, and then it turned into Wednesday, the 11th, and then Friday, the 13th. The withdrawal from Afghanistan got worse and worse and worse. Not just worse logistically, but worse for the entire Biden administration, from the White House to the Pentagon to the State Department. The embarrassment that happened as a result of it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not we should have troops in Afghanistan or not have troops in Afghanistan. It goes to how the Biden administration went about the withdrawal of those troops. And that's why if you've been looking watching the news, there has been so much pushback on both sides of the aisle from Democrats and Republicans. Again, there was a majority that wanted all the troops to come back. But we thought there was a better plan to execute that than what we saw this past week and coming into this week. It's been terrible, an embarrassment. And what has that embarrassment resulted in? Or why is it an embarrassment? Because the United States of America, the largest and most powerful 
military force in the world, in the history of the world, was scrambling to get the diplomats out of the U.S. embassy, shred the sensitive documents, probably burn and break and use magnets to get rid of all those um, devices that had the sensitive information, airlifting diplomats away from the embassy to the uh, airport in Kabul to get them out of the country, hoping, hoping that the Taliban did not make a move or move even faster and swifter on the city of Kabul to overthrow the, the Afghan government and fully reclaim Afghanistan as their own. Now, to set the stage, let me just give you a little bit of background. So I've already mentioned it, already mentioned it once or twice, but going to last week, the United States had about 2,500 to 3,000 troops. And again, they provided boots on the ground, aerial support, and was more like a counterterrorism group, a unit. And going back to 2020, the Trump administration, they had met with the leaders of the Taliban and came to an agreement with a goal of having all the U.S. troops out of there by May 1st of 2021. But there were conditions to this, this agreement. And as, it's been, as it has been reported this week, those conditions were like, hey, if you don't let us get our troops out of there, and if you do certain things like start to try to overthrow the Afghan government, then we're going to act swiftly and annihilate you basically. But the goal was to get everyone out, all the troops out by May 1st. Well, Trump administration did not get to see that through because Trump lost in his re-election bid and Biden won. So the Biden administration began in January. So Biden becomes president. Trump administration can't follow through on their withdrawal of the troops. So Biden administration takes over. Now the Biden administration, over the earlier part of this year, I think going back to April, April 2021, said that they wanted to have all the troops home before or on September 11th. Why is September 11th important? Because September 11th, 2021, this year, is the 20th anniversary of the Twin Towers, 9-11-2001. So as a way to commemorate that terrible day and attack on our country, the Biden administration wanted to have all the troops home by that date. Now let's jump back into the previous week, August 9th through August 15th. If you were watching, especially over the weekend, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, August 13th, 14th, 15th, you were watching along with the rest of the world, the Taliban take over Afghanistan. I usually take a break from the political news and world news over the weekend, but I couldn't help but notice everything that was happening. There were like hourly updates and maps being updated that were tracking the progression of the Taliban through the country of Afghanistan. Oh, this province has been taken over by the Taliban. This province, this province, this province, this province. Moving towards the capital city of Kabul, which is where the U.S. embassy is located. So as these updates are coming in, there's additional updates saying, okay, or questions being asked. Okay, well, um, are we going to be able to get our people out of there? At least the diplomats, at least the embassy, shut the embassy down before it's taken over or under siege by the Taliban. And this withdrawal, all of a sudden there's talks of, oh, well, we need to send back more troops. 
We need to send back troops to protect the embassy to get our people out of there, to get rid of all those documents, as well as get them safely to the airport and transported back home to the United States of America. So the withdrawal requires an influx of troops to guarantee the safety or to provide safety for our citizens and bring them home. And the capital city of Kabul was finally overtaken, overthrown on Sunday, August 15th, with the president of Afghanistan, Ghani, disappearing, fleeing the country with loads of cash. I believe he's somewhere in Uzbekistan, but just deserted his country. Now it's come to light that the speed in which the Taliban advanced through the country and over overtook it, overthrew it, caught our administration, our Biden administration, the State Department, the Pentagon, the White House, caught off guard. Say what? Caught us off guard? I mean, anyone who has any kind of idea of who the Taliban is could have guessed, you know, with a strong possibility that, hey, once word got out and it was seen that the U.S. was withdrawing their troops, that that's going to be open season to take back over the country. I mean, they had done it once before, or maybe I think twice before, actually, but most recently, starting in the late 90s and culminating in the attack on September 11th in 2001. So why wouldn't the Taliban come back and seize the country as quickly as they could? So there should have never been a mad scramble if the proper decisions were being made. And there should have never been a mad scramble because the withdrawing of the troops should have started months ago. Withdrawing of the people should have started months ago. But on Sunday... As the Taliban is taking over Kabul, capital city, and the president of Afghanistan on Sunday, the 15th, has fled the country, images start to appear showing Afghanistan citizens flooding the tarmac at the Kabul airport, grabbing onto a United States Air Force C-17 plane in hopes that somehow they will survive holding onto that plane going 300, 400 miles an hour. I'm not sure how fast the C-17 goes, but anyway, faster than any car. Holding on with their bare hands and their legs, hopes that they'll survive because they know what's going to happen to them or could happen to them under the rule of the Taliban. And then more videos come out. And that video of people trying to hang on to the landing gear of the plane in hopes that they can get into the under underside of the airplane once the landing gear comes up only to find out when that plane landed, there was a mangled body inside of the landing gear. Person died. And then video shows that that same C-17 aircraft, as it's maybe a couple thousand feet into the air, the individuals can no longer hang on to the airplane and they ultimately fall those thousands of feet to their death. But what does that remind me of? And talk about like an eerie, eerie symbolism full circle. Afghani citizens and citizens clinging to that plane, hoping against all odds that somehow they would survive that just to get out of the country to safety, knowing that they could die in the process, but I guess knowing for certain that they were going to die if they stayed in the inside of Afghanistan from the Taliban. It reminds me of the images. If you haven't seen them, please go find them. They're caution, disturbing, but please watch them for context. It reminds me of the video from 9-11 of people jumping from the Twin Towers because they knew, they knew they were going to die if they stayed in the towers, but they did not want to go through being burned alive or being crushed when the towers collapsed. So they decided that it would be better to jump from 
80 floors or higher instead of waiting on the inevitable to happen. And I'm sure there was also a part of them that hoped somehow, some way on that fall, they would maybe survive. But if they didn't survive, it would be an instant end instead of an incredible pain staying inside the the Twin Towers. So the whole reason we got to Afghanistan was because of the Twin Towers. And you see Americans jumping from the buildings, committing suicide or trying to desperately maybe save their life. And then it ending with the withdrawal of the U.S. troops 20 years later with images of Afghani citizens falling to their death as they try to flee the country holding on to a U.S. Air Force plane. I mean, that just, whew, man, that just gives me some chills. I don't know. I don't know. I never thought, I never thought there would be that kind of, uh, just that, that kind of semblance of a shared death. But that was Sunday. So let's start with Monday. Monday the 16th. Well, I haven't mentioned it, but as all this was going on last week, rolling in through Sunday, President Biden was on vacation. Now, he was on vacation at Camp David. I mean, no president can take a vacation and re- truly be on vacation, right? Everywhere they're going to go is ha- has everything they need to function as the president of the United States. Like, duh. But he was on vacation. Wasn't at the White House. His press secretary was also on vacation. She was not at the White House to answer these questions for the the White House press corps. But it got so bad on Sunday with those images, those videos, the reports of people being unable to get to the airport and unable to get out of the country, U.S. citizens and Afghanistan citizens, those that even had a special visa because they had helped us during the war, mainly as interpreters or other informants, they couldn't get out of the country. The Taliban had and still has the a circle basically around the airport. So Biden comes back from Camp David. I think it's about 70, 80 miles away from the White House. Flies back on Marine One, the helicopter. Goes into whichever room within the White House and gives an 18-minute speech. An 18-minute speech to basically try to calm the press down, to basically perform crowd control for the media. An 18-minute speech. And did you see that 18-minute speech? This 18-minute speech, teleprompter the whole way, in his 18-minute speech, President Biden says the buck stops with me, meaning that he's responsible for the decisions that were made and everything that's playing out. However, that buck didn't really stop with him because President Biden also chose to throw three groups of people under the bus, or blame, that's even an even better term, blame them, of the Afghan government, failed, the Afghan military failed, and also because of former President Trump. Anytime anything bad happens to this administration, it's Trump's fault. And in this case, it was also the Afghan government's fault and the military's fault. But the buck stops with Joe. And then after he concluded his speech, which, I mean, there was no empathy anywhere in there. He was Looked like he was ticked off that he had to come back from vacation. And maybe he was because once that speech ended, he just said, like, thank you very much. Closed his little folder, turned around, exit stage left, went out the door, back to Marine One, back to Camp David. And all he has done, press-wise since, is a sit-down interview with ABC, ABC's George Stephanopoulos, which I believe aired... Midweek, maybe on, uh, I think it was on Thursday, maybe Wednesday. 
the 18th or 19th. And even in, in that interview, that was not a great interview. He looked, seemed prickly, seemed annoyed. He said he stands by the decision that he made so that he didn't see that it could be any less of a mess than what happened last weekend trying to, to clear the embassy and get American citizens out of the country. But that's just been Biden. Now, also starting on Monday or shortly after Biden's speech, you have spokespeople, um, Secretary of Defense, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, um, intelligence agencies, all standing in front of the camera, all putting out different reports, leaking or, or leaking or purposely leaking to basically CYA themselves um, to save their butts and try to explain to the American people in whichever way benefits them or their department of what exactly happened. But the problem with that is, is that the messaging is not on the same page and then you have conflicting reports. Like you have differences in timeline. You have a popular clip that was played over this last week is on July 8th, President Biden answering a question asking like, is there any risk that the Taliban will overthrow the country quickly once we withdraw? And Biden's standing at his podium and he answers very assuredly, no, that will not happen. And he says that's because there's an Afghan military of 300,000 people. 300,000 troops with all the weaponry that we provided to them. And then that's in contrast to the 75,000 Taliban, which don't have any of the weaponry that the Afghan military does that we left for them. So the answer was no, that nothing like this could ever happen. And then you have intelligence reports being leaked out. You have uh, Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, saying, no, we're, we've talked about this stuff going back to the spring and the summer. And we told President Biden that this could happen. Mark Milley said there were uh, like three different scenarios. Either it was going to happen um, maybe in like a couple months, a year, or maybe a couple years. But he never dreamed or thought that it could happen within just a few days or a couple of weeks. Well, okay, why, why, did he, why was he surprised? Was that bad intel? Was he given intel and then just made the wrong decision? And then based on that intel, gave his, his thought, his opinion, his advice to President Biden, and Biden made his decision off of that? Or was all of that intel given to Biden and then Biden made his decision that maybe went against the better judgment of those at the Pentagon? I don't know. There's going to be, I believe, um, some uh, hearings done within Congress. I mean... Whatever that's going to bring forth, and kind of, kind of over Congress when it comes to investigations and such. But we'll see. I mean, they'll be in front. They'll, you know, take their oath, answer the questions, and if they they speak untruthfully, if they lie, you know, perjury. But nothing ever happens for perjury, especially when you're that high up on the ladder. So, I mean, we'll see if anything comes from it. But what started as a withdrawal ended up now. There have been five or 6,000 additional U.S. troops sent to Afghanistan to help get American citizens and Afghans with special visas out of Afghanistan. But that end goal seems to be cloudy. So you have questions being asked of the Pentagon. Hey, are you going to go past the August 31st deadline that you set for yourself for the withdrawal? 
Yes. But then you have President Biden or his White House. Initially, Jen Psaki said she wouldn't commit to an August 31st, saying if there's people, if there are American citizens that remain in Afghanistan beyond August 31st, that we would send troops over there to bring those people home. Her response was, we're just taking this day by day. Well, could you imagine being a U.S. citizen trying to hide from the Taliban and you see that on the news if you can see it on the news? And then hearing that the press secretary of the president of the United States, your home country, is not willing to commit to searching beyond the August 31st deadline? Just leave you there as a sacrifice or as a potential um, hostage? Man, oh man. And then Biden eventually in that interview with um, George Stephanopoulos from ABC, after George Stephanopoulos had to walk him to the correct answer, said that, yes, they'll go beyond August 31st if there are still U.S. citizens to to bring back. But what about the 40,000 or so Afghans that could still be over there? I mean, we gave them more promise that we were trying to save their country whenever we invaded and fought Afghanistan. And then when we turned to nation building and we made a promise to them that if they help us, we would help them. Well, are we truly going to help them? Are we going to hold that promise? Keep that promise? Because there are rumblings within amongst our allies, especially our European allies, that one, they were caught off guard with the withdrawal and how we responded. Two, they aren't certain they can now trust the United States. And then I would say they definitely won't be able to trust us if we renege on the agreement that we made with the Afghan people who helped us in a time of war and peacekeeping. If we just leave them there, members of the Taliban are going door to door looking through people's belongings, especially their cell phones, and if they find a Western phone number, then they take those people. If it's a woman, maybe they turn into a sex slave or so, or become a wife, arranged marriage at a very young age, or to just be killed right there on site, or eventually killed maybe a few days later. Either way, that person's life is now over. And yes, our European allies are upset with us. Um, there were reports earlier this week that President Biden over the weekend during that whole scramble of trying to get everyone out of Afghanistan that we could and close down the embassy. I believe it is the British military that said they hadn't even spoke with President Biden. Like there was no communication going on between NATO troops or troops of individual countries that are our allies. That we just kind of went in there and and did what we thought we needed to do and, and that was it. No communication. So how's that going to affect us moving forward on the world stage? Now, reports are that there are 7,000 people that have been rescued from Sunday the 15th through Thursday the 19th. 7,000 people out of what could be upwards of 60,000 people, if you include all U.S. citizens and Afghanistan citizens that are supposed to have a special visa to, to come to America for helping us. Now, the direction or the directive from the State Department, the U.S. State Department, to the American citizens is that we cannot get the U.S. citizens to the Kabul airport. So we need our citizens to get themselves to the airport. And then if they can get themselves to the airport without being snatched up by the Taliban, then we can give them safe passage back home. Well, reports are that the even though 
they're peacefully, I guess, doing it, that the Taliban have basically put a huge circle around the Kabul airport. And that even if they don't cause any harm or inflict any harm on those trying to get to the airport to flee the country, they can use other means to disrupt that. Such as take your papers, take your identification, take your visa. So that whole trip you just made to try to get to the airport, you can't even prove who you are to be able to get on the plane to come home. Now, as I've kind of touched on, as I've just been talking, how is this Biden disaster going to impact the United States and his administration moving forward? I think it has a huge impact domestically and internationally. Domestically with the with Congress, as I said, this was such a disaster that you have Democrats and Republicans throwing their hands up, asking questions. Even the media is doing the same thing. You know you've made a mistake whenever you're a Democrat and your mainstream media turns on you. And when Democrats in the Senate or the House also turn on you. I mean, that's like a rubber stamp of disaster when that happens. But how is that going to affect how is this going to affect Biden as he tries to pass additional laws? I mean, who's going to trust him? If there's any trust on the Republican side, that's waning or has waned, it's gone. What actually took place in the those situation rooms and where um, the Joint Chiefs and the Pentagon and State Department and the President, were, that they're having all these conversations to make decisions like this, what information was actually shared? Did Biden just ignore what was told to him, what was recommended, and then made this decision on his own because he, quote, doesn't want to pass on this war to a fifth president? Was he so set on getting our troops home so that there were no more troops there on the 20th anniversary of September 11th that he just ignored all the in- intelligence and recommendations from his top brass of the military and the intelligence agencies just so he could get a political win? Is that what happened? Like I said, Congress says they're going to do investigations. We'll see where that leads. I mean, some senators are already calling for impeachment. I don't think that'll happen because the Republicans definitely don't have the numbers to do that. But if information comes out, maybe they could impeach. Maybe we'll see, or at least put a big uh, stain on the administration, a stain that's going to haunt him for forever, like a legacy impacting stain. I mean, he did everything backwards. I mean, let's think about it. Let's think about it. If you have, if your goal is to remove the troops and bring them home, and you have to worry about your embassy, the people at your embassy, your troops, as well as the Afghan citizens, Afghan citizens that have special visas that also need to come back with our troops and in, in the American citizens, like those six groups of people, what would the best way be to go about getting those people home? Well, since we've been in Afghanistan for 20 years and for the last year and a half, this is according to the DOD, we have not had any military casualties. I would say that we have, are doing a fantastic job of keeping the peace and keeping our troops safe. How about we don't make any changes to the military, leave it as is, get everyone out. Start months earlier. Start in the spring. Get everyone out. Keep the Taliban at bay because you still have your military set up. Again, that has 
kept terrorism from developing or happening, also kept has kept your military personnel from dying for a whole year and a half. Keep all that in place. Get the people out. Shut down the embassy. And then you shut down with the troops. I mean, it's... I mean, but what Biden did, or what it seems like he did, he took the troops first because that was like his goal. That was his little, his little carrot, his little prize. Ooh, I gotta, I gotta get September 11th. September 11th, I gotta do it. Oh, oh, oh there's people there. Oh, shoot, shoot. So we had 2,500 military there, but now we have 6,000 there because of this huge disaster. Um, that's the exact opposite of what was supposed to happen. I mean, what I mean, what do you do when you leave your house, right? Especially if you, especially if you're going on vacation, what do you do? You get everything out of the house, get your car loaded, all that. So that's like the people, the citizens, and then you go to the car and you get in the car. So that would be the troops. And as you're doing that, you lock the door. So that's like locking the door in the embassy, taking the U.S. flag down, and coming home. Dead. Biden's decision would be like if you were leaving your house to go on a trip on a vacation and you just decided to get in the car and leave with with nothing packed in it. And then you get halfway to your destination, you look back into the into the back of your car and you shoot, say, shoot, our luggage isn't there. Crap, the people aren't here. They're back in the house with the locked door. Can't get out. The locked door is the Taliban. Just seems like you did everything wrong. And internationally, how is this affecting us? Well, a lot of the political commentators this week and uh, analysts and so on are saying that China has already been threatening to overtake Taiwan. So does, does China really think that a Biden administration, President Biden himself, is going to act against China if they decide to invade Taiwan? What about Russia and fully invading the Ukraine? What about our other allies that we have. Is Biden really going to have their backs if if they need it? I mean, because he just showed that he doesn't have the backs of the Afghanistan citizens that helped us. They're scrambling back and now just trying to save face, bring them back if they can. What about the human rights that the Biden administration claims to champion? The fair treatment of women. Well, Taliban is now back in control all these Afghan women are going to go back to how life was 20 years ago. Most of them don't know what that is because we were able to nation build. But before that, going back to the late 90s, early 2000s, and well before then, Taliban's in control. That means they can't, women can't dress the way they dress. They're going to become teenage wives. Sex slavery won't be able to read and write for the future generations. I mean, it's horrible. But Biden says they're going to focus on uh, the humanities, humanitarian aid, but it sounds like that's just going to come through the State Department. And that's it. We'll see how the Taliban reacts to a letter, right, or a sanction from a State Department. But wait, I don't think you can sanction the Taliban because they're not a recognized government. So this past week has been an embarrassment for our country. We went into Afghanistan because of a terrorist attack on our country which included the death of 3,000-plus Americans. And as I said, some of which, it's heartbreaking as it is to see, died because they were trying to escape the inevitable horrific death that was about to happen. 
and decided to jump from a thousand feet in the air. And then it culminates with our withdrawal from Afghanistan and seeing Afghans that had held onto the plane hoping to survive either end up mangled in the landing gear or falling thousands of feet to their death below our own C-17 U.S. Air Force plane taking off from Kabul. And we didn't talk to our allies that were also there, NATO and, and the British military. Where are the lines of communication? How are they going to trust us moving forward? Do we even look like a threat to our adversaries? Is the Biden administration going to step up and act against our adversaries if they make a move against another country, invade another country? We did not show strength. Our president and his administration did not show strength. And it's to be determined if he made this decision on his own or if our intelligence was really that bad. Because I would say, at least for me and most other American citizens, that if you looked at how terrible the Taliban was and how they wanted to rule that country once more, how can you not expect this to happen? Once we start our withdrawal, they're going to move as quickly as they can. I mean, that just seems like common sense, and we didn't plan for that? Or did we plan for that, and, and President Biden just didn't think it was credible or likely? Again, this is a stain on our country. It's a stain on the Biden administration. And I hope we get to the bottom of what happened, and I hope that this administration learns from this and that we, the American people, hold this administration accountable. And I hope that somehow the women, citizens of Afghanistan, that will not get to get out of that country, that will be subject to the Taliban rule, that their lives will be spared. All right, that's it for this episode. Remember to subscribe and engage with me on Instagram, at counter underscore thought, on Twitter, at counter underscore podcast, and on the Counterthought podcast page on Facebook. Thank you for listening to Counterthought.